Well, hey, this is Joey Furjanic, lead pastor of the Block Church. I want to thank you for joining us today. It's an honor to share this time together with you. We hope this message will touch, impact, and transform your life and help take us one step further on our journey to revive every block. What's up, everybody? Well, it is so good to see you. Welcome to the Block Church, where our mission is to revive every block. I want to again say hello to all of our physical locations and those that are watching online. I'm so excited to uh, preach a message to you today. But before we get into it, uh, Thanksgiving is over, which means it is now officially Christmas season. Contrary to popular belief, Christmas begins the day after Thanksgiving, not a day sooner, not a day earlier. I'm sorry, got to tell you that. And so we're so excited that our annual candles and carol services are f- quickly approaching. And when you came in, there were invite seats on your, there were invite cards on your seat uh, that you want to be sure to invite your friends, your family. It's going to be a really special time, some amazing music. So uh, be sure to be there and also to invite a friend, all right? All right? There we go. There we go. Well, we're in week four of our series, Joy, a study of Philippians. And I've really been enjoying uh, the series But when I think about joy, I can't help but think about my friendships because my friendships bring me joy. And if your friendships don't bring you joy, then you need to get new friends. I'm I'm sorry to tell you. Uh, If they stress you out, you you need to trade them them out. Um, But uh, last week, if you follow me on social media, you might have seen that uh, myself and Pastor Julio from Port Richmond, uh, he and I surprised Pastor Xavier, our Northwest location pastor, uh, for his birthday. And it was amazing. He was so surprised. We, we, we took so much time planning it. Uh, and I'm going to tell you what joy is, but let me tell you what joy was not. It was not those airfare prices. When I, when I, when I looked it up, I said, bro, he, he might get a FaceTime. Might have to send him an edible arrangement. Um, but we made the sacrifice because that's what friends do. Uh, and he was so surprised. In fact, I want you to check out the moment of surprise. Check it out. Whoa, 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 whoa. What the? Happy birthday, boy. I can't even see Man, come on. Every time I watch that video, I get so embarrassed that I started jumping up and down with Pastor Julio. But every time he does something, it's so contagious. You just got to You got to do it. Uh, But I love that moment. It's full of joy. And it's what I love about friendships because you not only get to be the recipient of joy, but you also have the opportunity to provide joy to someone else. And so our message title for today is, It Takes One to Know One. Come on, would you say that with me? It takes one to know one. So uh, I want to ask you something. Can you name the last three Nobel Peace Prize winners? Anybody? Great, you're not as smart as me, so <laughs> no worries. I don't know them either, but I want you to also think about this. Can you name three people in your life, maybe a coach, a mentor, somebody that influenced your life positively? I bet you so many people start to come to mind. So here's the thing. The people that will make the most difference in your life is not the people with the most trophies. It's the one that cares about you the most, and they approve it. So in today's scriptures, we're going to continue in Philippians. But what I love is that relationships, they help form the fabric of our lives. But it's not the quantity of friendships that matters. It's the quality of your friendships that matter. 
So as we continue in Philippians, we're going to take a look at one of the best examples of friendship given to us in the Bible. It's the friendship between Paul and Timothy. Then we're going to also take a look at the friendship between Paul and Epaphroditus. That's probably the only time I'm going to get his name right this entire sermon. So you might hear me reference him as E, okay? So just in case you've, you missed the story or you need to catch up, here's what's happening. Paul is in prison uh, for sharing the good news of Jesus. And so he can't get to the Philippian church. The Philippian, the Philippian church recognizes this. So they send E to him so that he can encourage him and be a financial blessing to Paul. So Paul, his natural response, like many of us, should be gratefulness. And so he was grateful. So he decided to write them a letter uh, to show his gratitude. But also in that letter, he was making them aware that while I can't be there with you physically, I'm sending the best replacement in my friend, Timothy. So let's pick up here Philippians 2, starting at the 19th verse. Here's what it says. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. I have no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare. For everyone looks out for their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know that Timothy has proved himself because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. I hope therefore to send him as soon as I see how things go with me. And I am confident in the Lord that I myself will come soon. So here, here it is. Here's how Paul has met Timothy. He meets him as he's traveling through Lystra. Paul then recognizes that uh, Timothy was the son of a Jewish uh, mother and the, the, his father was uh, Greek. But the thing about Timothy is that people in his society, they spoke well of him. He was highly respected. And so then Timothy comes to give his life to Jesus. And so then Paul invites him on his next mission. And then on that next mission and for many, many years to come, Paul spends so much of his time pouring into Timothy. He recognizes that Timothy has a call on his life. And then Timothy spends his years learning from Paul, submitting to Paul, because he recognizes that if I want to get to where God wants me to be, I have to learn from somebody who's already went the way. And I love uh, the, the, the storyline of this because then it goes on as Paul uh, gets to the end of his life, Timothy becomes his successor in sharing the gospel of Jesus. It's a beautiful storyline and a depiction of how relationships should be, a pass off, a learn from, a grow from. And it makes me think of the types of relationships we need to have. But here's the thing, I want you to resist the urge of saying, man, I would love to have a friend like Paul. I would love to have a friend like Timothy. Instead, you should say, man, I wanna be a friend like Paul. I wanna be a friend like Timothy. And so what are the qualities of a true and genuine friend? Here's the first point if you're taking notes. A true friend, they are faithful. Why did Paul send Timothy? Because he knew that he was willing. He knew that he would go. He knew that Timothy was reliable. He was consistent. He could trust in him. He was dependable. It was proven. They had history. He'd seen it happen over and over again. See, Timothy was the one that Paul sent from Athens to Thessalonica, from Ephesus to Corinth, from Ephesus to Macedonia. And now Paul was sending him from Rome to Philippi, which was 800 miles away. That's an expensive Uber ride, folks. It's a lot of gas money wasted on a friend. Got to be a real good friend for me to go that far for you. A lot of miles on his donkey back then. A lot of miles, I'm just saying. 
But Paul knew that Timothy was reliable, that if anybody could complete this mission, that Timothy was the guy. He was trustworthy. See, some of us, we have a lot of friendships, but do you have the types of friends that will go the distance for you? In fact, are you the type of friend that will go the distance for your friends, the people that are in your lives? Can they trust you when it comes down to it, when the rubber meets the road? Can they depend on the fact that I know my friend will be there? It's not just being there for their every beck and call or whenever they call me, whenever they text me, I'm, I'm running. That's not what it is. Uh, there was this meme on social media a few months back, and you might have seen it. It said, if you were about to be killed... And the only way that you could survive is by calling someone that you 100% knew would not answer the phone. And I really don't appreciate that a lot of my friends tag me as the person that would not answer the phone. I'm sorry, I just believe that you have to make an appointment to call. You can text all day long, morning, night, whatever. But FaceTime and, and calls, if it comes through, you didn't make an appointment, I'm sorry. You might just, it's just the way it is. If it's an emergency, text me. I'll get it. <laughs> but I really do believe my friends know that when it really comes down to it, when it really comes down to a 911, they know that they can call on me and they know that I'll come running. Can your friends say the same about you? Are you that type of friend? Do you have those types of friends? So here, Timothy went from being Paul's son in the faith to his servant in faith to then being his substitute in the faith. See, faithfulness is the key to a servant's heart. And we learn two important lessons here. Paul teaches us what it looks like uh, to empower, and he teaches us about succession. See, Paul could have easily hoarded all the accolades. He could have said, I want it to be all about me. I don't want to send Timothy because he might go, and they might favor him over me. He might become more popular than me. He might get more likes than I do on social media. He might become the guy and then I'll no longer be remembered. But Paul doesn't do that. What does he do instead? He gives Timothy a platform and he also promotes him. So we need to be those kinds of friends, not the kinds of friends that are trying to stifle our friend's growth because we see how much greater they might be than us. Instead, we need to push them and say, yeah, you're gonna be better than me and that's exactly what I want. That's true friendship. And then Timothy teaches us how to be a faithful friend through serving. See, he could have easily said, man, I don't want to go this distance. I've already been on this mission. I've already traveled this distance. I've already gone here. I've gone there. And man, you're, you're in prison, so I can kind of do whatever I want to do. But he submits and he's still faithful. He shows a, a, shows a heart of a servant by saying, man, I'm still going to go the distance because I believe in the mission of what God has called us to do. So when you have the mindset of Timothy, you're not saying, oh man, I have to do more. Instead, you're saying, what more can I do? And when your mindset shifts from that perspective, serving now is a blessing and it's not a curse. Let's prove it further. I want you to see the power of faithfulness and reliability in Matthew 25. It's the parable of the talents. I'm gonna read it to you. It says, the man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I've gained more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's joy. See, the more faithful you are, the more valuable you become. 
Relationships are about pouring into each other and faithfulness makes this possible. So here's something I want you to reflect on if you're taking notes. I want you to ask yourself these questions. Are you a faithful and reliable friend? Can you be counted on? Do you bring value to others or are you seeking value for yourself? Here's the second point. Not only are they faithful, but they are unified in their pursuit of Jesus. He tells us in verse 20, I have no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare. For everyone looks out for their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. So here's the thing, Paul and Timothy were unified in their pursuit of Jesus. They were unified in reaching people. They were unified in sharing the gospel around nations. And it was genuine. It wasn't to get anything in return. They were concerned about what God was concerned about. They loved God's people. And at that time, that was a clear contradiction from what the societal norm was. We see that in verse 21 where it says, everyone looks out to their own interests. So in other words, Paul is making it clear that Timothy is a rare jewel. You know, Pastor Joey always talks about uh, the kingdom of God being an upside down kingdom. So what does that mean? It means that the ways of heaven are not the ways of this world. And we see Paul and Timothy exemplify that in the best way because they're focused on others more than they're concerned about themselves. See, the world tells us to focus on ourselves, to put me first. Have you taken care of yourself first? But the kingdom of God tells us to focus on him and to focus on others before we focus on ourselves. The kingdom of God tells us that to live is Christ and to die is gain. See, it's our human nature to gravitate towards people who have similarities like we do. It's our human nature to gravitate to those who have a common bond, something in common. That's what we do as humans. But as you consider your friendships, I want you to ask yourself the question, what is it that bonds my friendships? Are you bonded by your misery? Are you bonded by your trauma? Are you bonded by your shame? Are you bonded by your sin? Or are you bonded by purpose? Are you bonded by passion? Are you bonded by the power of Jesus? What is it that bonds your relationships? And if it's not the latter things, then you might wanna reevaluate the friendships that you have. See, Paul and Timothy, they have unity in their goal. It's to serve God and to serve people. You know, there were a lot of people that Paul could have picked to send, but he chose Timothy. Why? 1 Corinthians 16 tells us, this is Paul speaking to Tim, of, of Timothy. He does the work of the Lord as I do also. And so as you consider your friendships, here's something else you can ask yourself. Where am I going? Where are my friends going? And do we share the same values? Are we unified in our pursuit of Jesus? Do we have common goals? Are we unified and wanting to be the best followers of Jesus that we can be? So here's the thing, quality relationships just don't happen. You have to position yourself to make a friend and be a friend. You know, sometimes that's a lot of our issues because we expect for things just to happen. Oh, somebody should just come up to me and you know, they should just say hi to me. But when's the last time you were the person to go and say hi to someone that you knew could use a smile or could use a hug? 
See, that's what relationship is friendship is about. It's not always about what can I receive? No, what can you give to someone else? What can you be to someone else? And I know, I get it. You know, Sunday is a quick exchange. You know, sometimes it's like, hi, how you doing? But you know how better you can position yourself to make a friend and be a friend? You can go to a block group where there are people that share a common goal as you, that have like minds, that are unified in their pursuit of Jesus. You know how else you can make a friend and be a friend and be in position to receive that? You can join a team where the common goal is to create an experience where people experience Jesus. There's so many places and so many opportunities for you to make a friend and be a friend, but have you positioned yourself? See, I wanna challenge you. And if you don't already have someone, to find someone who is pursuing Jesus as much, if not more than you are. The Bible tells us that iron sharpens iron. And so you should be connected to people who wanna push you to be the best that God's called you to be. Not your own ambitions, not what you want, but people that have God's best interest for you at heart. You don't need to have what we call yes men around you who just say yes to whatever it is you do. No, you need people that are gonna challenge you. You need people that are gonna convict you. You need people that are gonna tell you the truth about who you are lovingly in a loving way. That's what God has called us to. You know, Paul's relationship to Timothy replicates God's relationship to us. How? He found him, he discipled him, and then he released him. So here is the third point. True friends, they are faithful, they're unified in their pursuit of Jesus, and then they stick it out. Verse 22 tells us, but you know that Timothy has proved himself because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. See, Timothy didn't prove himself by saying he would be there at the end. He proved himself by actually being there in the end through persecution, through ridicule, through shame, through imprisonment, Timothy remained the entire time and he stayed with Paul even until the very end. That teaches us something. In friendships, you have to be willing to endure. In friendships, you have to have staying power. See, it's easy to be a friend in the beginning when everything's all cool, you guys are hanging out, but when there's a little friction, when there's a little conflict, when there's unfavorable circumstances, maybe in your life or in the person's life, are you still willing to say, you're my friend and I'm with you through this and we're gonna get through this together? See, it's easy to be a friend when it all looks good. But when there's a, a valley or when there's a mountain, do you have the endurance to make it through with your friend? You know, it, it makes me uh, think of uh, sports fans. You know, there's a lot in the room. And I have one major pet peeve with sports fans, and you're probably gonna be guilty of it. Probably half of you. I can't stand when there's a game and, you know, a sad team is doing well, you know, and the sports fan is like, oh my God, you know, this is the best team since 1975. You know, this, this squad, oh, they're gonna take us to the ship. You know, we're gonna make it. I'm gonna be at the parade. But as soon as that team fumbles, as soon as they miss a pass, I know y'all guilty, I see it on Facebook. 
Soon as they miss a layup, oh my God, I can't believe this. All of a sudden, we turn into a sports commentator. You know, we want to put a suit on, put us on ESPN. You become that person. But then, don't let that team turn it around. Don't let them get it out the mud. Then you're like, oh, I knew they were going to pull it through. No, you didn't. You're fake. You're a fake fan. You're fair weather. And I can't help but think that some of us are like that in our friendships. As long as things are going well, I support you. You're gonna make it. Oh, you got that job promotion. Oh, you know, you, you got all of the resources. You got perks, you got benefits. As soon as that person maybe makes a wrong turn or as soon as things don't look as favorable as they once did. Oh, I always knew it was gonna turn out this way. I told you you shouldn't have took that job. I told you you shouldn't have X, Y, Z. But then don't let it turn around again and they're on the up. Oh, what's up, friend? How are we gonna celebrate? No, keep that same energy. It doesn't mean that when someone's, you know, acting out of their mind or doing things that they're not supposed to, that you're just supposed to support that. No, but even in that middle, even when it takes a turn, being a friend is saying, hey, I know you're over here left, but guess what? I'm here with you and I'm gonna help you veer back over to the path that you're supposed to be on. That's true friendship. You gotta be with us in the highs and in the lows. You can't just be a friend on the mountaintop. Are you also a valley friend who can stick it out with your friends, even when they're in tough situations? Are you that friend? Can you be that friend? Verse 25, here's where Paul's relationship with Epaphroditus comes into play. It says, but I think it is necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus, my brother, co-worker, and fellow soldier who is also your messenger, whom you sent to take care of my needs. For he longs for all of you in his distress because you heard he was ill. Indeed, he was ill and almost died. There are three things are three terms that Paul uses to address E. He says that he's a brother, he's a coworker, and he's a soldier. And I love those three titles as it pertains to friendship because a brother loves you, a coworker helps you, and then a soldier fights with you. See, Epaphroditus, he could have given up, he could have quit, he could have said, man, I came on this mission to support you and now I find myself sick. How am I going to get back? I'm not well. I got family back home that I need to take care of. However, he wasn't selfish. He recognized that there was a greater mission at work. And so he made the decision to focus on his friend rather than to focus on himself. He almost died, but he's alive. Are you this kind of friend to others who's willing to lay down your life? See, joy is not just a good time. Joy is not what happiness is. It's much bigger and much larger than that. You know what joy also is? Joy is saying, man, I was really depressed. I was really having a hard time during the holiday season. I felt alone, but I have joy because I made it through and I did not make it through alone because I had friends who texted me. I had friends who called me. I had friends who checked up on me. I had a block group leader who showed up at my house. I had a coordinator who sent me a voice note. That's what joy is. So yes, my friends, it is possible to have joy in the midst of chaos. Ask me how I know. Paul tells us he's writing this letter, speaking about joy while he's in a prison. 
and you might be in a prison in your mind, but guess what? The joy of the Lord is your strength. It's possible for all things around you to be chaotic and you still maintain joy. It's possible. You know, I was looking up a biblical uh, definition of joy and I love what it said. It said, a feeling of good pleasure and happiness that is dependent upon who Jesus is rather on who we are or what is happening around us. So when you have joy, you're not worried about your external circumstances because there's something on the inside that grounds you, that stabilizes you, so that even when all hell is breaking loose, you can smile, you can give life, you can hug, you can be a light, you can be an example to the world that's watching you. Come on, church, I need you to understand there's a dying world that needs to see the joy of Jesus on the inside of you. Do you have joy unspeakable that no matter what's happening, you still have joy? Gotta have joy. Gotta have joy. So you can think of what are your expectations for the friends that you have or that you want to have? Here's my encouragement to you. Define what that looks like for you. Set those expectations so that when you're in friendships, it's clear and there's no ambiguity. It helps us. In verse 27, it says, but God had mercy on him. It's talking about E. And not on him only, but also on me to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I am all the more eager to send him so that when you see him again, you may be glad and may have less anxiety. So then welcome him in the Lord with great joy and honor people like him because he almost died for the work of Christ. He risked his life to make up for the help you yourselves cannot give. Come on, do you have friends that you're thankful for that when you couldn't do things yourself, they stood in the gap for you? And I wanna encourage you, if you have those types of friends, you need to show your appreciation to them. Don't be someone that's ungrateful. Don't wait till it's too late to then speak your well wishes of somebody. But while they're here with you face to face, make sure they know that you appreciate them. You know, continuing with that story of Arizona, there's a small part that I didn't tell you guys in the beginning. Got to the airport. I have this habit, this bad habit, some would say, of showing up to the airport super late. I have a rule, I show up to the airport no more than an hour before my flight, unless it's international. I just don't like sitting in the airport. I feel like I'm wasting time just being in there and I'm spending money because you know you gotta get something to eat and it's 20 times more. So I feel like the best way to save money is to not go. But this particular time, I kinda you know, overshot my time, so much so that I got there 15 minutes before my flight. Uh, and it was early in the morning, so it was, it was already a struggle. I'm not a morning person. So we were at two, two X's already, two strikes. And the third one came, you'll find out later. <laughs> I was out. And so I'm trying to rush, you know, I'm being a track star, I'm going through security. You know, there's 40 people in the, the TSA line. I jumped 30 of them, so now I'm the 10th person. And then Pastor Julio, who's already at the gate, he's been there like two hours ahead of me. And he's just texting me. I said, bro, I'm almost there, I'm almost there. And what I didn't know is that he was actually literally the last person, everybody else had boarded. And he was just standing in the midway between uh, where people are seated and the plane. 
And so the people, the, 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 the flight attendants, they're like, sir, you gotta get on the plane. And Pastor Julio is just walking very slow. <laughs> and he already walked slow, so he's walking even slower than usual. He's taking his sweet time. And they're like, sir, you gotta get on this plane. And he's just like, he's holding up for me. He's like, y'all ain't even call his name on a loudspeaker. Like, what's going on? He was ready, he was ready to go back with me. Then it got to the point that said, sir, you know, you, you gotta get on this flight or you're not flying at all today. So he called me and I said, you know, bro, get on the plane, I'll figure it out. Uh, and I realized I didn't update everyone in the first service. I did end up getting on the next plane, guys, don't worry. I made it to Arizona, as you can see. But I thought about Pastor Julio and what he did for me, and I thought to myself, man, that's true friendship right there. He's ready to hold up the plane for me. But then I thought a step further, and I said, man, isn't that just like Jesus? Jesus standing in the gap for us where we have a destination and we're supposed to get somewhere, but we're running late and Jesus is just standing there and he's not letting them close the door because he's saying, I still have children that are on the way. I know they're disqualified. I know they should have been here earlier. I know they should have arrived at this time, but we can't take off until they get here. So hold the door. I still have children on the way. Hold up the plane. I still have children on the way and he will not let the plane leave till you get there, until you're seated. And I'm so grateful that we have a friend in Jesus who will not leave us nor forsake us. He sits closer than a brother and he will always be with you. Anybody glad about that today? What a friend we have in Jesus. What a friend we have in Jesus. We give you praise, God. Thank you, Lord, for being a true friend, being the example of that. Come on, every person at every location, would you stand to your feet? Every person, no movement if possible. On every person standing at every location. I want to encourage you today that there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. You might have said, man, I've never really had anyone who's had my back. Never really had anyone that stuck close by my side. I've never really had anyone that I felt like knew me truly. Well, I want you to know that there is a savior who knows you and has been pursuing to be your friend from the very day you made it to earth. And he wants to have a relationship with you. So with every head bowed, every eye closed at every location, if you're here today and you're saying, man, I've never had that friendship. I felt so lonely. I spent so much of my life walking by myself and alone and feeling like I didn't have anyone. Well, I want you to know that Jesus wants to be your friend and he wants to be your Lord, and he wants to be your savior. So if you're here today, with no hesitation, if you don't have a friend in Jesus, you've not accepted him as your savior, you've not accepted him as your Lord, or maybe you once had a relationship with him, but you wandered off, you wandered away from the friendship. Again, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you and you need to accept Jesus as your savior, I want you to raise your hand right now. Come on, raise your hand. If that's you, don't hesitate. He wants to be your savior. Come on, every location, raise your hand. This is the moment he's waiting for you. I see that hand. A prayer team is coming to you. Keep it up till someone gets to you. Come on, this is the moment. This is literally Jesus standing in the gap saying, I won't let this plane take off until my children get here. He loves you so much. I see that hand. We praise you, Jesus. Come on, it's not too late. 
He created this moment just for you at every location. Slip that hand up. And then I want every person to pray this prayer. Even those that didn't raise their hand, we're gonna say it together in support of those that lifted their hand. Repeat after me, say, Jesus, I believe you are the savior. I believe that you came to earth, that you died, and that you rose, and that you're coming again. I accept you as my Lord. I accept you as my leader. Be the leader of my life. Thank you for giving me a way back home. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, if you made that decision, it's the best decision you could ever make. Come on, let's celebrate. It may not get easier, but it will get better. Thanks so much for joining us today. I especially want to thank those of you who give generously to help us revive every block. If you enjoyed this message, you can subscribe, share it with your friends, screenshot it, and post your social stories, and tag us at The Block Church. We'd love to hear from you and how you found this encouraging and inspiring. Thanks again, and God bless you.